Our next scripture is from the second chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. When Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me the word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and they were ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for this morning. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today we celebrate Epiphany. We celebrate the wise men coming to worship to pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews. Now the, the wise men were probably Persian. They were probably Persian priests. They were priests of the Persian religion. They were not only priests, uh, however, they were also a combination of astronomers and astrologers. Now as astronomers, they would have observed the movement of the stars in the sky, the night sky. But as astrologers, <clears throat> they would look for appearances of different things in the sky, of bright lights, bright stars. And uh, they would look for what they believed to be a sign of the birth of a great man or woman. And that's what they would see from a, a new light, a new or a brightness in the sky. They had a word for it. They called it a fravashi, fravashi. And they believed that uh, 
This was an angel or a spirit, the spirit of a great man or great woman who had just been born or who would soon be born. Somehow these uh, Persian priests, these wise men, had heard about the Jewish Messiah. And they had come to understand that there would be signs in the sky of his birth. Now evidently, though, they didn't have the Jewish scriptures, what we call today the Old Testament part of the Bible, because if they did have uh, the Old Testament part of the Bible, they could have learned themselves where this uh, newborn king of the Jews was actually born. They could have read about it themselves. So evidently they didn't have the Old Testament part of the Bible. So they went seeking uh, the newborn king of the Jews. And they went to Jerusalem because that was the Jewish capital. And they talked to the king, King Herod, and they talked to the scribes. And the scribes could tell them through scripture where the Messiah had been born. And of course that he had been born in, in Bethlehem. So it seems as though the wise men did not have Holy Scripture, did not have the Old Testament. They evidently had word, learned through word of mouth or through the Persian writings about the, the Jewish people, about their Messiah, about their Messiah. So it was, when they got to Jerusalem was probably the first time they were uh, encountered by Holy Scripture themselves. So let's think about that star a little bit more here this morning. What, uh, what was it? Well, let me begin by saying that it could have been a completely supernatural thing in the sky. Uh, we want to try to describe this star uh, in a natural way, but it may not have been a natural event. It may have been an utterly supernatural event. But we do know that uh, in the year 7 BC, there were three close conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn. And this could have created a very bright light in the night sky. Not one conjunction, but actually three, three conjunctions. We also know that, in, that on October 8, 12 BC, Halley's Comet came close to our solar system. It was visible months before that date. It was visible months after that date. We don't really know what uh, bright light they followed in the night sky. And it very well could have been a supernatural light, a uh, fravashi, uh, a sign of the, of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that God produced in the night sky. That's never appeared in the past before that or never has appeared, appeared again. But they followed that star until Holy Scripture, Holy Scripture illumined their path more clearly by directing them to Bethlehem. And they had the privilege of being in the presence of the bright morning star, the star of David, Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior and Lord. Let me suggest this morning that every human being who knows Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord actually follows a, a similar path to the wise men as they eventually encountered Jesus themselves. 
we follow a similar path. And what, what I mean by saying that is that as, as, as children, as infants, we slowly but surely, as we grow older, become aware that there's a great big world out there surrounding us. An infant, we believe, identifies first of all with his or her mother's face and the feel and smell of his or her mother's body. That's the first awareness a child begins to have of the world beyond them. And of course, that initial identification uh, is followed by an awareness of the father, of the siblings, of extended family members, friends. And so an infant, a child's life just keeps expanding an awareness, a consciousness of the world out there begins to expand mainly through the people in their lives. But eventually, a child becomes conscious of objects around them. Sky, sun, trees, animals. Isn't it fun as parents, as grandparents, to teach our children the sounds that animals make? Isn't it fun to hear them talk about all those uh, animal sounds and begin to mimic the animals that they see around them? Eventually, though, a child asks questions. Where did all this come from? Why, does, why, is, why are things the way they are? Why does it get dark at night? Why is the moon brighter some nights than other nights? And so, children, we all have asked these questions as we've grown. Now I can remember my own children asking me these why questions. Why this and why that? And I simply told them as they were in, in their childhood, this is the way God decided to make things. It's that simple. This is the way God, our creator, decided to make things. And so a child begins to understand that there's a creator behind, behind the world around us, a, a really beautiful world. The sky is beautiful, the trees are beautiful, the animals are beautiful, there's so much beauty. The lakes and the ocean, and there's so much beauty behind the work of the Creator. But God has given us more than just nature. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we touch as a means of knowing that He exists and most importantly that He loves us. God has given us Holy Scripture. In Holy Scripture we have so much more definition, so much more understanding of who God is, what God is like and how he relates to us than we do through nature. The wind cannot say to us, with God all things are possible. None of us have seen written across the sky, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. A tree cannot tell us about the crucifixion of Jesus. Nature can only speak in a very limited way about our Creator and His character. The star led the wise men in knowing that uh, the King of the Jews had been born. They, they knew that. They, they had the capacity to grasp that understanding that the, whatever they saw in the, in the night sky, this sign was a sign of the, 
of the newborn king of the Jews. But they didn't know where he was at. They couldn't find him. So they, they, went, to, they went to Jerusalem, and Holy Scripture revealed to them where to find the child there in Bethlehem. Holy Scripture also tells us how to find Christ. We would not know otherwise how to find Christ if Holy Scripture didn't tell us. Holy Scripture tells us about our Savior, about our Lord. Now what if the wise men had stopped in Jerusalem? After they had learned where Jesus was born, they stopped their trip. They went back home after they learned where, where, where the Messiah was born. What if they had not gone on to Bethlehem? What if they had not completed the last leg of their journey? They would not have had the joy of being in the presence of Christ. They would not have had what I call a close encounter of the divine kind. They had to make that last leg of the trip. They had to go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem and to, to be in the presence of Christ and have the joy of seeing this child. And we believe Jesus may have been as, as old as, a one, as one or two years of age when the wise men finally met, met him. And they gave their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What, what a joy it was for them to meet this child and to meet Mary, his mother. You see, for many people, they stop at Jerusalem and they never go on to Bethlehem. And that's a problem. It's possible to stop at Jerusalem and never make our way to Bethlehem. And what I mean by saying that is that there are people who know about Jesus, about God, but they've never come to know God or the Messiah. Because the wise men went on to Bethlehem, they were able to be in the presence of Jesus. No longer just know about the star or know about what the Bible said about Jesus, but they were in his presence. You see, unless we take one more step past nature and even past Holy Scripture, we will never know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. The last leg of our knowing Jesus, the most important leg of our journey, is our willingness to trust Jesus, our willingness to obey Him. We must be willing to trust and obey the Lord Jesus Christ in order to really know Him as our Savior and Lord. This is what Jesus tells us in John 13, verses 16 and 17. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who was sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. It's not, it's not a matter of simply knowing. Well, we can know a lot about God and about Jesus. The blessing is in doing his will. As the wise men paid homage to Jesus by giving him gifts, we pay homage to Jesus by giving him our gifts of trusting him and of obeying him. 
how many people know so much about God through nature, through scripture, but they fail to experience the blessedness of Christ's presence because they refuse to do, to live out what they know to be the will of God in their life. God made the way to Bethlehem very clear to the wise men. God used nature and Holy Scripture to guide them. God continues to use nature in the life of a child, maturing person, as well as Holy Scripture to guide people to his son. But the third leg of the journey is utterly necessary. That third leg, past nature, past Holy Scripture, that third leg is our willingness to trust Jesus, our willingness to obey Jesus. Our daughter and son-in-law, Elizabeth and James, uh, and their two sons, Matthew, who's uh, just turned 13, and our little grandson, Andrew, who was three, they, they joined us for Christmas. And, uh, you know, Sherry and I have the privilege, the real blessing, uh, every school day as Elizabeth is on her way to the elementary school where she, she works, she calls us. Uh, and then as she's heading home in the afternoon, she calls us. So we have the privilege of spending as much as an hour each day talking uh, with our daughter. Now, my wife spends all that time talking with Elizabeth. I spend a short portion, a very small portion, really, of that time uh, talking with her. But we also get to talk with our grandson, Andrew, our three-year-old grandson, before he's dropped off at the daycare center. And then when Elizabeth picks him up, we, he's there in the car as they drive home. So we get to talk to him, and it's fun to talk to our grandson. Some, some days he has nothing to say to us much. <laughs> Other days he's rambling on quite a bit. However, talking with Andrew on the phone is not the same as having him in our home for Christmas. We were so blessed to have them with us this Christmas. And I played quite honestly to the point of exhaustion with my three-year-old grandson. We played tag in the backyard and I don't know how many times I had to tell him that we had to stop playing because I had to catch my breath <laughs> before I went on any further. You know, and as, we, as we ate our Christmas dinner together, Andrew was sitting right next to me to my left, and he announced to all of us there at the table that, that I, his pappy, was his best friend. That's what he wanted everybody to know. Now, I know that Andrew has a lot of best friends. <laughs> he has quite a few best friends at the daycare center and other places. But I'll tell you, I was really touched. I mean, to me, that was the best part of Christmas, was right there, to have my three-year-old grandson announce that I was, uh, I was his best friend, or at least one of his best friends. And what he, was, what he was saying, of course, is that he loved me, and he knew how much I loved him. Our love for one another has grown from our commitment to being together, experiencing life together in a backyard, chasing each other, playing tag, as well as talking with one another, if only on the telephone. You see, the last, the most important leg of coming to Jesus is one's willingness to live life 
with Jesus. Live life together with Him. We do that by trusting Him, obeying Him. Yes, we need to know the Bible. We need to study the Bible as much as we can, understand what the Bible is saying to us. But if that's all we do, is read our Bible and understand what's in there and not trust and obey the Lord, we're not going to really know Him. We are to trust and obey Him in all things. We are to honor Him before anyone or anything else. We are to worship Him as our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. If we do these things in 2021, we will have a year full of meaning and purpose. If we'll go that third leg of trusting and obeying Jesus, our, 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 our year will be full of meaning and purpose. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. It'll be full of small as well as great blessings from God. We will have close encounters of the divine kind. But we gotta be we gotta be relating to Jesus. We gotta be talking with him. We gotta be experiencing life with we gotta be referencing everything in life back to him. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have life in Christ. You know the old hymn puts it so well. The hymn, the hymn writers, they just had a way of putting it together so well. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen.